When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Back to All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now, as he does each and every Monday, is Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, host of the Odyssey original podcast In the Huddle with Brian Baldinger and Carl Dukes covering the entire NFL. And we hope you're watching us on the video feeds because Jason is quite festive with the Santa cap. Thank you for getting us in the holiday spirit single-handedly, mind you. Uh, No one else has a Santa cap, but I suppose uh, I will bring mine soon enough. So thank you so much for doing that. Uh, We had this conversation earlier in the show. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Uh, The Eagles are 10 and one right now, but would you consider them more dangerous or more vulnerable, assuming they go on and get the one seed in the NFC playoffs? Dangerous. They win games. I mean, just think about how many football games they've lost in two plus years, right? Really, since the middle of the 01 season, right? I bet if you look, go back to November, Thanksgiving 01, how many football games have they lost? I mean, and the ones that they did kind of stick out. And one of them because they were three points short of what still may prove to be a Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid dynasty in a Super Bowl. Yeah, they're, I mean, they, they're an exceptional football operation. They win in different ways. They don't need a particular script, right? It's not like there's an Eagles template. And man, if it all falls into place, they can win more times than not. They win when they're up big and they make it a little close and then put you away late. They win coming back. They win in, you know, back and forth games like the Dallas game, like even more yesterday. Um, I, I mean, I, they, they, they make plays when it matters most. They do it under duress. Well, what's it going to look like without Lane Johnson? Well, I mean, they still beat a pretty good Bills team, you know. Um did they shut the quarterback down? No. You know what I mean? Did 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 some guys go off? Did Diggs make big plays when it mattered? Could they have easily lost that football game a bunch of different ways? Sure. They they don't. They don't lose football games. They, they, they just don't. Um, they don't lose them con- consecutively. They, they don't lose them at all in the regular season when the quarterback's healthy, basically. Um and they've run a gauntlet. Nobody can try to say, like, they haven't played anybody or, oh, they're lucky that they play in the NFC and this or that. Like, And they got another huge one, obviously, looming this week. And they might not win that one because they're not going to win them all. 
but I, I'm not one of those people who's going to sit here and tell you about all the different things the Eagles don't do because they're exceptionally good at the most important thing, which is winning. Yep, no doubt. Uh, news broke 10 minutes ago. It wasn't even one and done out in Carolina for yeah. Frank Reich. Owner David Tepper, we heard the reports yesterday about how upset he was leaving the locker room. Uh, that proven to be true because he fired Frank Reich this morning. What's your reaction? Uh, I've been writing about it quite a bit. My column with the Washington Post, like people started whispering this to me, like week five, week six, when Stroud was starting to take off. And I'm like, eh, I know this guy can be a bit of a toddler, Uh, but (laughs) man, like, nah, not yet. You know, not yet. And then some of those same people, and these are people who told me going into last year, Matt Rowell ain't making it to the middle of the season. And people like David Tepper has no poker face. He wears his emotions everywhere. He vents to a lot of people, and he didn't, they don't keep a whole lot of secrets. Uh, so, yeah, this was coming. When Frank Reich did the sort of, you know, okey-doke, like he hit the gritty on who's calling plays from week to week, like that was the end. Like, oh, I'm giving it to my coordinator. No, no, I'm taking it back two weeks later. Oh, damn, Stroud threw for five touchdowns today, and we threw for 50 yards? Woo! And so the, the, all those panic moves, like, yeah, everybody could feel Tepper breathing down their necks. So, no, a- after another game in which the offense was inept against the Titans team that people had been pushing around, um, no, I'm, I'm not I'm not surprised. Uh, and, and frankly, you know, the whole thing, I, I think very highly of Frank Wright, but I, uh, I, I that mumbo-jumbo about who's calling the plays and I'm taking it back. Like that doesn't feel like Frank Reich to me. Um, and so, you know, I think pressure was, was breaking and bursting a lot of pipes in that building. And now like, where do they go from here? I mean, the bears are getting their pick. Um, Bryce Young's not going to get taller in this off season. Like he's probably not going <laughs> to get a whole lot more confident. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, you're going to have him play on stilts. Like, so you're, you've got some limitations there. It's not a great roster. You know, the GM, Scott Fitterer, I got to think he's gone five seconds after the season ends if he lasts that long. And there'll be a new regime there. And and the goal is going to be let's let's prop up Bryce Young and let's build around him. And I believed in Bryce Young, and I'm not going to write him off. They got, you know, the offensive line isn't great. You know, they don't have great skill position people. Um it is a bad division. You know, he really liked Ben Johnson a year ago, the coordinator, offensive coordinator of the Lions. Does he does he go that route? Um, I mean, you can make the case you should go hire Steve Wilkes, who he should have hired last year after the job he did for him. You know, he almost had him in the playoffs with no quarterback last year. Um, picking up the rubble for Matt Rule. I, I, I don't know. Um but this is an owner who can't get anything right. Like he, he, mm-hmm. he's been around a while now and it's funny. He came from the Roonies and he saw how it's done in Pittsburgh, but you know who else did Jimmy Haslam and neither of those guys will get anything yeah. right ever. Like I'm, that's my stance until they prove me wrong. They will never get enough right to truly turn their franchises around ever. Prove me wrong. Yeah. 
gosh, what a disaster over there. I want to ask you about the Broncos because I have enjoyed making fun of Russell Wilson and this Denver team, but now they've won five straight. So I'm like, okay, could they make the playoffs? You can still find them at plus money to make the playoffs. What is your assessment of this turnaround? Sean Payton knows what he's doing, you know, and uh, Nathaniel Hackett is a joke. He's a fraud as a coordinator, let alone a head coach. And yeah, that happened in Denver last year. Um, they 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 know who they are. Uh, they're a very physical football team. They're much healthier now, especially on defense, than they were early in the year. Um, you know, they, they took it personally the first four or five weeks where they looked like an abject failure. Um, Sean Payton weeded out some guys who weren't going to be a part of the future. And you could say maybe he was making examples of people. You can couch it however you want. It worked. They got better defensively. They got better as a football team. They became more cohesive. They congealed. Uh, They have flaws. They have warts. But they're going to run the ball. They're going to try to beat you in time of possession. They're going to make it have volume in the run game. They're going to activate the quarterback's legs. Sorry. I don't know how much of that you picked up. Coppers. Just a little. Cop, copper, all right? Sounds. He can, nah, he, it's just a bit. Hey, man. He's, he's just an old pup. Um, hang in I there, buddy. Copper. Yeah, no, everybody <laughs> loves copper. Um, but Thank you, old daily mascot. It's like, this, I think he's got this, have you read about this dog respite, like this upper yes. respiratory thing that's going around? Yes. That is I'm pretty sure he's got it. He's had it for months. Yeah, I got to talk to the vet again. Wow. It's like, we've had, we've had, wow. like, it's either pneumonia or we got to go back again this week. Anyway, um, Yes, the Broncos can go to the playoffs. The Broncos have restored a home field advantage. Russell Wilson does not turn the ball over. He will not turn it over. He will extend legs with his drive, extend drives with his legs. Um, he'll hit the layups. They've got the Cortland Sutton thing going on when they need a big play, and they've got multiplicity and volume in the run game, and the defense is very opportunistic. They let you march all over in between the 20s, and then I think it's like, what, Eight offensive touchdowns, nine offensive touchdowns allowed in the last six games. So that's that's mm. pretty. That, you know, I'll buy that in a, in a watered down year um, of football. Uh, and they've got a coach who's won a Super Bowl, who's got them all believing that they're the team nobody wants to face from week to week. This will be a hell of a game with Houston this week. Thirteen slate. If you thought week twelve was bad, check out thirteen. Um, that game <laughs> stands out, and that'll be interesting. And I can't really get a handle on the Texans, man. Like. I just can't. So I probably won't bet that game because as much as I'm killing it betting the Broncos, I, I can't I can't get it sorted with the Texans. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yes, the, the Broncos are alive and viable. It is the most wonderful time of year, and one thing that happens a good bit, as we just saw just a few minutes ago, was uh, coaches getting fired. Uh, so hopefully you guys had a Frank Reich next coach fired tickets and uh, they cashed there. Uh, but when it comes to potentially the next coach fired, I am now curious if Bill Belichick is going to survive the rest of the season, losing to Tommy Tevito 10 Ooh. to seven yesterday. Do you feel like that Bill Belichick, A, will survive the rest of this year? And even if he does, what's the interest level going to be for him knowing full well that last season and this season have to be explained? Well, look, I, I don't think Bill Belichick is going anywhere unless Bill Belichick went to Robert Kraft and said, uh, you know, bro, I've been here 20 years. Um, this is over. You know, it's over. I know it's over. Um, I've had my share of issues in my personal life. 
And you know what? I haven't spent the holiday around people like a normal human being and not somebody, you know, some coach who, who lives in a bunker 20 hours a day. And maybe, you know what, maybe maybe you want to get a look at what Gerard Mayo can do for a few weeks. And, and maybe I want to get up to, you know, wherever he's in Maine, Kennebunkport, wherever he's got. Or I guess he goes to the place in Florida this time of year. Whatever. But I, I, I just, you know, I want to get away from football. Like, can I see that happening? I mean, it would be very counter Belichick um, not to finish a job, right? Do your job. But, like, I don't think Robert Kraft's firing Bill Belichick now. And I think Robert Robert Kraft, um, people close to him have told me he's reached a point where he understands just the depths that they're in. So a loss is good. I mean, if a loss gets me, you know, mm-hmm. Caleb Williams or Drake May, let's go. Bring it on. Like, it, it is what it is. The season is is an abject failure. And so what, what, what would a what would a – 13, whatever, 14, 13 win over the Giants. Like, what would that matter? 16, 13, like, who cares? It's still a football disaster. Nobody wants to watch it. Our product's garbage. Our brand is is what it is right now. And we've got to do a holistic rebuild. Um, Belichick, it only takes one. I mean, at 72, yeah, even with his resume, it's not going to be for everybody. And we'll see how malleable he is in terms of what he really wants to do. Football czar, lord of all things football, just a head coach. You know, um, he's going to – he's used to having final say over everything. Who cooks the meals? Who drives the bus? You know, is that where his head face is? Does he just want to chase this record? I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't I don't know that he knows right now. But he knows it's over there in New England, and they know it's over. Um, and the more people tell you that Mike Vrabel, there's nothing to see there in Tennessee – uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's just you, yep. you want Mike Vrabel, boy, you better you better give us a second round pick and something else. Like I, I don't think he's long for Tennessee. And I do think Robert Kraft um would like to bring Mike Mike Vrabel back to Foxborough. Yep. That, that one uh, makes perfect sense. All right, Monday Night Football, this number's been dropping. Now it's uh, three. Vikings, the home favorite against the Bears. BetMGM has a total at 44, but I see that number also dropping because unders keep hitting Monday Night Football this season. What are you doing with Bears and Vikings? I do lean to the under. Uh, I, I think that this Minnesota team is not going to be in a big hurry. Tonight, I don't think they're going to play at great pace. And I think the Bears, you know, it, it, I like the Bears at home against a lesser team. I, I think, you know, I can see them playing with a little bit of frenzy, a little bit of manic and trying to dictate. But on the road in a dome with a still young quarterback and with all their issues, I think Eberflus is fine. Hanging in there, right? And you're the whatever, the, the, the 12 seed playing a five or whatever in the tournament. And the longer you hang in, right, the better the better your chances are. Um, I love rushing props, uh, some rushing props in this game. I think Fields shatters that 52 and a half, and I've played him over 70 and 80 in all markets. I like what this Ty Chandler has given Minnesota the last few weeks. You know, they're not great running the ball traditionally, and the the one thing you can't do on the Bears is run the ball on them. But I like Chandler's scrimmage props. I think he'll show up a lot in two-minute offense, four-minute offense. I think there's a role for him. Um, they've set the Dobbs rushing props too high for me now. I, I'm not, so I'm not in on that one. I think Hawkinson, I, I, if you guys have found it, let me know. I can't find receptions yet. I haven't seen that populate. I'm not as in, into the 60 and a half yards as I am to him catching, you know, over five balls in this game. 
we'll see when that comes out. Um, I lean to Minnesota. I don't know about three. I think it's a tough divisional game. Minnesota money line. Um, and yeah, I, I could see it being 21-20. Jason Lock and Fora, thank you so much for stopping by. And please, please be careful hanging those Christmas lights. We want you to be safe. That was Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora. Make sure to follow In the Huddle on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our takes on Monday Night Football between the Bears and Vikings. That's right here on the BetQL Network. GM with Joe Ostrowski, Ed Egros, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Trying to throw quick. Dobbs is going to try and outrun the defender, but he gets another first down. Dobbs has a touchdown for the Vikings. He kept it himself. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And it's time to talk about Monday Night Football between the Bears and the Vikings. Minnesota is a three-point favorite at home with a total of 44.5. Joe, as you mentioned in our last segment with Jason Lock and Fora, that number has been dropping, I assume because it's looking likelier and likelier like Justin Jefferson will not be playing here. Uh, but what do you make mm-hmm. of uh, the spread? You think that goes to 2.5? Ooh. It's close to uncomfortable. Yeah. It close. It's very close to two and a half right now at some places. So it, if the official sure. word is that Jefferson is out, does it then go to two and a half? It's been trending that way, or is it just assumed he's out right now? I always assumed he was out. Like I never gave I it a whole lot out. of credence that he was going to get in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just – and it's just common sense, right? Like, right. we you yeah. listen to everything Jefferson had to say, and I need to be 100% questionable right now. I'm feeling better, feeling better, but I got to be right to be out there. They're on by next week, and it's Jefferson. And for the most part, outside of last week at the very end of the game, they've been winning without Jefferson. Now, it's also a massive game. So are they going to change their tune as far as that goes? Because they're sitting right, right there now at the sixth spot. Um, just ahead of Seattle, just ahead of Green Bay, just ahead of the Rams. Like it, we talk about how tight it is at the bottom of the AFC playoff picture. How about over in the NFC playoff picture? 
All these teams that are sitting five and six, Green Bay, LA Rams, New Orleans, and then Minnesota's right there above them uh, with Seattle at six and five. So you got a bunch of teams going for those last two wildcard spots. And I think everyone's in agreement right now that Seattle's going to be fading out of that, especially after they end up losing on Thursday, most likely, right? Um, so mm-hmm. it's a huge game. I wonder if they uh, try to push them in any way. I, w- I would guess not, but it's interesting. So the look ahead was four and a half. Let, let's say we close three, that it does not go to two and a half. That's already a big move. And how do we get here? Well, the professionals like the Bears. I mean, that's just, that's where we're at right now. It probably was a little bit too high. And as we're getting closer and closer, I understand where they're coming from. The total is dropping. It's been 44 all week. And now I'm seeing 43 and a half, 43s pop. BetMGM still has 44, but uh, I would expect, that to uh, continue to fall you know that could be jefferson that could be monday night football trends a lot of public money people see all the unders have been hitting all year only one over on on the entire season 12 and one so uh the public might actually come in on the under in this spot so i I think that's uh pretty notable here you know one thing these two teams have in common is they were god-awful defenses in the first month and they are legit right now both of them the Bears, it was health, and I would think on the Vikings side, it's been more about getting used to the scheme, but they both teams have figured things out. The Bears are great at stopping the run, and then and then the Vikings, you know, we know that they're going to keep sending pressure, but they've been better in multiple facets. So the under makes sense. I understand why people are betting that side. I don't have a play on the total. Uh, if I'm doing something with, with the side, I'll explain. Uh, I'm more interested in props, but if I was doing something with the side, Aaron, as long as we're still at three, I, I would take the Bears and the points. Yeah, I like the Bears and the under. Um, you mentioned the public will be on the under. Hey, that'll probably be me. Bears offensively, their run game ranks ninth in the league DVOA, but it's an interesting matchup because you talked about the Vikings defense under Brian Flores has really gotten a lot better. So they're also ninth in total defensive uh, DVOA. Uh, So I think this is going to be more of a props game for me. Maybe, um, you know, the Bears defense, 11th in defensive DVOA against the run. So maybe some unders prop wise there. But I just think this could be an under game. I don't, I think it's going to be tough for the Bears to put up a ton of points against how well this Vikings defense has been playing as of late, Ed. I I think we're unanimous in that the under is probably the best play here. And because that number is probably going to drop, go to BetMGM, take the under 44 now, because uh, I don't know if that number is going to stand. Operators are standing by here. So definitely under 44 makes sense here. Also, too, I think it's going to be a slower pace of play. I think we all agree on that in terms of the Bears wanting to run a good bit more. Whether they'll be effective or not is a really big question. But I think with a lot of run plays that we'll probably see on both sides, definitely fewer possessions, fewer drives, all that stuff. So I think the under 44 is the play here. Maybe this is too hypothetical a question, but I think it's still important to at least be prepared for this option. So let's say just shot in the dark that Justin Jefferson somehow does play in this game. And in all likelihood, he's not. So whatever. But I think (laughs) that's important to bring up because does this offense get drastically better with him? Or is it something where he's just going to get a lot more targets and a much greater share of the overall air yards for the Vikings? Because I do wonder if it's going to be the latter here. 
At some point, Jefferson is going to be back. He hasn't worked with Josh Dobbs yet, but it almost seems to me like with the skill sets that Josh Dobbs uh, possess, I do wonder if Justin Jefferson, yeah, best receiver in football, but maybe that just means the target share goes down everywhere else. It doesn't necessarily mean the passing attack is going to be that much more efficient because to me, Joe, what makes Dobbs special is his scrambling. That's the difference in terms of an element that they haven't had before. It's not necessarily that Dobbs is going to be some maestro in terms of finding Jefferson, even when he's triple teamed and he's still able to get him the ball. I think it's the scrambling ability that will make the Vikings different down the stretch. So whether you're making some kind of a bet based upon Justin Jefferson's status, I think that's a fool's errand. What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, look, the first game. So is he going to have this awesome connection with Jefferson? Of course you want Jefferson. I If Jefferson were to be in, if we're playing that scenario out, I do think we get off the three. He's at least worth a half yes. point. He's the best receiver in football. So, and, and that's how you attack this Bears defense. You're going to pass on them. Mm-hmm. And for Vikings backers, that's what they're looking at. O'Connell doesn't want to run it anyways, and they're tough to run on. So, Aaron may be looking at some of those under uh, running back rushing props like you were addressing. Outside of Dobbs uh, would make a lot yeah. of sense there. But, but yeah, like he's been targeting Addison a bunch. You know, he's been getting Osborne involved a couple weeks ago. He had 10 targets there, like feeding Powell a little bit. And, of course, Hawkinson. A- at times, he's been a target hog. He wasn't last week in Denver uh, – well, no, he had, he actually had a ton of targets last week, but yeah, it was okay. It's, yeah, yeah, and against the Bears last time in Week Six, Cousins was still out there, and it was six catches for fifty yards on eight targets. I don't know that I would bet over six and a half receptions because the number is so high. But in, in that game against the Bears, the majority of those catches and those yards ended up happening on one drive and I just wasn't understanding why Cousins wasn't targeting him more maybe said prop head on Hawkinson uh for that game but yeah no I mean Dobbs has done a nice job spreading it out and it would hurt some of those other weapons right now it's balanced the majority of the work is going to Hawkinson and he's finding Addison and some of the other pieces that they have so yeah, maybe there's a bit of an edge um, in the point spread. I do think it moves if Jefferson is in, but I, I'm going with the assumption that he's out in this one, and I don't think sure. it's really going to change things all that much. As far as what I like in this game, though, um, the Bears-Vikings game in week six that I just referenced, that was the game when Fields got hurt, and then he missed a month. Fields was getting it done on the ground at Soldier Field. He had eight rushes for 46 yards. He played just over half the game. Now we're putting fields on the turf, right? And now you expect to get him the full game going in. 51 and a half rushing yards, 15 and a half for the longest rush. I can see fields having a, a big game. So the Vikings are going to blitz. Any sign of trouble? Yeah. I, we, we've all seen it a million times. What does fields do? He's going to be breaking for some sort of daylight on that turf, and he's going to take off. So I, I can certainly see that happening once again. It happened earlier in the year. And anybody that knows that Soldier Field turf, it is slow. That It's long grass. And they do that intentionally. And, and we've seen fields just snap in some of these games on the turf. And, and I expect it to be a big running game for him. Last week, 
Fields' first game back after missing a month with a thumb injury, 14 designed runs. He ran for over 100 yards, 18 rushes. I expect to wow. see much of the same this week. Uh, and remember that Lions game? They needed the comeback with two touchdown drives at the very end to win that one. Mm-hmm. The Bears should have won that game. I mean, there, there's no reason that we don't see a repeat game plan-wise from Luke Getzey. I wanted to ask you, Joe, about Khalil Herbert, because with this Vikings pass rush, if Justin Fields is going to be running, could you also see a situation where they might get him involved in the passing game? Like he's got to get the ball out quick and some, you know, quick, shorter throws to Herbert because they've done that a few times this season. Three times he's gone over 10 and a half receiving yards. Do you think that could be involved tonight? Yeah, it's it's a possibility. Now, the thing is, they're working in different backs. At least we have an idea. It looks like Foreman's going to be out because they made him doubtful on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to take away any of the workload. And then it's like, it, okay, what kind of – it's really a guessing game how much work Roshan Johnson's going to get there. So, yeah, that's a possibility. But it feels like you're 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 trying to to thread that needle because lately yeah. he has not been involved. But a lot of that was Beijing. So I, I honestly, but, I'd be guessing as far as that goes. Along those lines, speaking of like lately, uh, the Ty Chandler prop is at thirty two and a half. Some books are at thirty and a half. But that is an area where I was looking under. But if you look at the last two games, you're thinking, oh, he could totally go over that. But in this specific game script, in this matchup, I lean under that. What do you guys think I couldn't about agree that more. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a great look. I, I don't expect Ty Chandler to have uh, as big of a role. And when you're talking about Khalil Herbert, I think he goes under, like, what am I saying here? Uh, 68 okay. and a half uh, rushing receiving yards, something to that effect. I'd go under yeah. there, too. Like, I think, yeah. Yeah. like, uh, the lion's share of the rushing will probably be because Justin Fields is taking off, whether they're design runs or scrambles, whatever the case may be, just because, you know, I am backing the Vikings in this one. And I think given game script, it's probably going to be something where they want to pass the ball a good bit more. And if it's just not there, then Fields is taking off. Like, I don't necessarily see the ground game being something that's oh so effective. Not to mention when you look Mm -hmm. at the the specific matchup, I mean, the Vikings seem to be getting better at limiting runs. We know they still blitz a good bit. The pass defense is certainly getting a good bit better. Like, now this is a respectable unit kind of all the way around, like kind of a well-rounded group. So it's something where if there is a panic, it's not going to be like the Khalil Herbert show or anything like that. Like it's probably going to be Justin Fields kind of staying on the ground and trying to make something out of nothing. He doesn't really do it through the air all that often. So Joe, to me, like if there are rushing props to back, it would probably involve Fields. And certainly the public agrees with that. Over 52 and a half rushing yards in bed MGM minus 120 there. 99% of the money is on the over. I mean, this feels like vintage Fields to me, right? Yep. Yeah, that's where I'm looking. Also, I I don't have a problem if you want to do something with Cole Komet because there are there's mm-hmm. some tight ends that re- have really gotten to Minnesota's defense. Now, now, sure, the elite guys like Kelsey, like Kittle, San Francisco's tight ends had six grabs for 90 yards in their matchup. But Atlanta, remember that Atlanta game? Their tight ends had 156 mm-hmm. yards on nine receptions. 
And Komet's Komet's one of the favorite targets. He's plus 240 for an anytime touchdown. He's 13 to one for first touchdown of the game. Uh, We've seen that happen a bunch. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's looking for Komet. But uh, I do prefer uh, the field's rushing yards over over anything else in this game. And Mm -hmm. what sort of pressure are the Bears going to get? Like, that's a big story with Dobbs. When, When you give Dobbs time, like, watch out. That's when we start talking yep. about him being an astronaut and we're going to get those stories and cause he's playing well and all the narratives mm-hmm. come out about Dobbs. But if they are getting home, if Montez sweat is getting there, like, then that's a different story. Then he looks like Dobbs that struggled in Arizona. So as far as the side, that's how this game's going to be decided. Are the bears getting pressure or not? Are they going to play yeah, outer we've... space music to break whenever Josh Dobbs has some massive scramble? Like, what are the odds yeah. on that, that Monday Night Football, uh, whether it's David oh, Bowie or, or something like that, like some sort of outer space uh, reference here? Yeah, can we get uh, any, you know, props on how many cutaways to his parents we get? I mean, that was a bit oh, nauseating grief. last game as well, or how how many times they mention his major in college, but he, he does fold under pressure. So if the bears can get pressure, it'll be interesting to see how he, you know, responds tonight. It's a big F. I don't, yeah, I don't want the bears to win, but bears are live in this game. Is there a Manning cast? No Manning cast. All right, good. Good week to take off guys. Like if the, (laughs) if the Dobbs stuff is too much, I was like, would I flip to the Manning cast? I don't have that option tonight. They might make it worse, though. Like, even if they were, you know, a part of it, like, could you see Eli with a big space helmet on, like, made of aluminum foil? Yes. They could. Yes. Yeah. They they couldn't find one to fit. They couldn't find one to fit Peyton's head. Of course not. Oh! (laughs) I see what you did there. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our first look at championship week in college football. That's right here on the BetQL Network. think about the people that are out on turkey completely like they're willing to do anything but turkey so what i think is they don't they're not athletes um and by that what i'm saying is if you don't practice how can you be good on game day right but if you want to be an athlete you got to answer the bell and if you don't want to answer the bell that's okay because you we i'm built different i cook turkey year round so that i'm ready for this i cooked a turkey three weeks ago so that i could make stock Okay, I got tur- I got a turkey carcass in my freezer because I got to make more stuff today. <laughs> so I'm ready to rock and roll. If you don't want to rock and roll, that's okay. Don't play music. With me. 
But at the end of the day, the reality of it is, is if your turkey's bad, no, you're bad. BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, with Joe Ostrowski, Ed Egros, and Aaron Hawksworth, from BetQL. McCord looks, fires, intercepted! Rathmore and Michigan will win the game! Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And it is championship week in college football. We'll have a lot of conferences uh, anoint winners on Friday and Saturday. And then Sunday morning, we will find out who will make the college football playoffs team, uh, field of four, rather. And uh, in case you missed the show uh, over Thanksgiving break, uh, maybe spending time uh, cooking uh, or hanging out with loved ones or something like that, uh, Kate Constable was in and uh, she made a very compelling case to take the under 25 and a half between Iowa and Nebraska and that very much cashed. Mm -hmm. And so that means Iowa and Iowa and Michigan uh, will face off for the Big Ten title. And uh, Michigan, a mere 23 and a half point favorite here uh, with a total of 35 and a half. So at least we still get a low total in an Iowa game. Thank goodness that uh, tradition uh, still survives here, Joe. Yeah, that's why uh, this past Saturday was the game because it's just gotten to a point where the 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 divisions are so out of whack in the Big Ten. Like nobody cares about the Big Ten title game. Oh yeah, you're gonna win the loser side. Awesome. Oh, we got Northwestern representing the loser side this year around. Maybe it's gonna be Iowa. What about Minnesota possibly breaking through? Like, it's just so ridiculous. I really hope that they uh, go b- with, with so many Pac-12 teams joining moving forward that they're like, okay, we need to rework this. We need to make this competitive because now nobody cares about the Big Ten title game. Nobody. You've got to bet on it to watch it. It's just the fan base, and that's it. Like These are supposed to be huge games in college football, and they're not. The games at the end of the regular season are when the, the best three teams in the entire conference, which are all in the same division, face off. Those are the exciting games in the Big Ten schedule. Right now, the championship game, nobody cares. And guess what? When we have playoff expansion le- next year, if they don't fix this, even fewer people people yeah. are going to care, right? Yeah, I mean, you got to wait so long for some of these super competitive, compelling college football games. Some of these teams like Michigan playing such a soft schedule for months, and then it finally starts to get good when the season's yeah. almost over. I find it frustrating. I mean, from a betting perspective, you can always find interest and have some fun with it, but just from like a pure, I'm going to sit down and watch this game, you want to see more competition. So hopefully, 
that starts to get better. I mean, Michigan proves again, no Harbaugh, no problem. J.J. McCarthy, I didn't think, looked Mm -hmm. overly spectacular. Blake Corum, though, I thought had a really good game. But, you know, there was really – I didn't think it was anything too surprising. Did you guys in that matchup? More more scoring than I thought we were going to get in that game. You know, in Ohio State, put a – Put a good number up there. Uh, Marvin Harrison, I mean, just you've got to find ways to get him the ball more because anytime yeah, he touches sure. it, he's just unbelievable, making making a terrific play after play after play. I'm just, oh, God, I could, I need a hardball break. I don't know about you guys. Do you guys need a hardball break? <laughs> I need a hardball break. Well, it's just we'll get one us now against back the, the world. It's just so lame. Just shut up. It's yeah. not you against the world. But I did enjoy – I saw a clip somewhere. I don't know where it was from. I did enjoy last night seeing a clip of uh, Lou Holtz laughing at Ryan Day a little bit. It's like, now we're at 1,500 days. Like he, you know, in, in the post game, Rob Stone did the right thing. He, he had to ask Urban Meyer the question because that's his buddy, Ryan Day, and he knows what it's like. And Urban Meyer didn't lose this game. When you lose this game and you start piling up these losses, that's how you get fired. That's how John Cooper got fired. So I'm sure today in Columbus, like that's all they're talking about. It sh- Are we close to firing Ryan Day? If we get to four straight, do you fire Ryan Day? Because I doubt there's level-headed Buckeye fans saying, look, this team could very well win the championship. At the very least, they're probably going to be in the championship game. We shall see. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's going to be interesting. Some people had the takeaway from this game that I'm not, I'm not a complete buyer in Michigan. I didn't have that same, same takeaway. Some people are like, Oh, I'm going to pick on them in the playoff. I'm, I'm, they're a bet against team for me. Uh, I, I didn't get that. Some of it's going to be the field in general. Like I can see some really bad matchups for Michigan, but I can mm-hmm. also see some where if they just overpower the opposition, then they might be just fine. And so in that respect, I, I think I, I'm, I'm torn. I can't say one way or the other at this point. I also yeah. think that because of Michigan's playoff history of the last couple of years, it's very easy to be biased against them because Georgia mm-hmm. dismantled them. Somehow they lost to TCU. By the way, TCU's <laughs> yes. not going to a bowl game, boys and girls. Like, let's take a moment, A, to enjoy that because it's TCU. Uh, but also, too, it's insane wow. that a team where, like, same coaching, like, Sonny Dykes is still there. Yeah, different quarterback, all that stuff. But you go from, you know, playing for the national championship Wait. to not making a bowl game. How did the Horned Frogs hurt you? I, uh, you know. They're just right. there. Right. It's a rival. They took our coach. Which team? You know, which... they, we recruit against them all the time. That's that's part of it. But anyway. Uh, so so you're secretly question. happy that TCU team. fell off a cliff is what you're saying. Uh, secretly? He just announced <laughs> Oh, it's not secret. It's celebrating. No, no, that, that's the absolute wrong adverb <laughs> to use there. I'm not going secretly. nuts. I am excited for this. You know, SMU's playing Horn for a championship. They might go uh, to a... <laughs> right. TCU stuff. TCU stuff. Oh, last year was miserable. You are kidding. Oh yeah. I I'm curious though, when it comes to the whole Ryan day coaching situation, like it's possible Ohio state can still make the playoff. And I know this is something we'll Mm -hmm. be talking about a great deal, probably on Wednesday when the latest college football rankings are released the last rankings before they have to decide for reals for reals. And I was playing with the ESPN playoff predictor over the weekend and it's roughly a coin flip at this point, as far as if Ohio State makes wow. it. 
if Ohio State wins the semifinal game and plays for the national championship, how much does losing to Michigan really matter? Like, I get in terms of tradition and, and all that stuff, like, yeah, that's important. But in this era of college football where I think tradition matters less and less, if you're making the playoff consistently and you might even win a game there, doesn't that buy you some additional time? Shouldn't it? What do you think? Yes, it should. Um, if tomorrow the committee does not have them in the top four, they're out. You can't move up mm-hmm. and not play, right? It's uh, over. Yeah, uh, barring something insane. Yeah, I think that's fair. So what's, what's the path to them getting in? Oh, boy. Like, if what 50, if we get some massive like upsets? Flip. Like, Oklahoma State beats Texas. Uh, what else? I mean, if Alabama beats Georgia, are they a lock to get in? I'm not so, sure. So, or, okay, let's say Oregon beats Washington like the point spread is suggesting that they do. Right. Two score. Let's say it's a two-score mm-hmm. game like the point spread is saying. Does Oregon leapfrog Ohio State? Because I'm assuming yes. Ohio State's still going to be above Oregon after tomorrow. That, that's probably fair. I think Oregon would leapfrog because, I mean, what is it? Like conference champions are overwhelmingly in the playoff. Like it's one of those factors that is is almost a sure guarantee. Like what is it? Like only one on average, and sometimes even less than that, is not a conference champion. So – that's probably yes. how it goes. Florida State losing to Louisville is probably a, a really Louisville to win. scenario as well. Oh, uh, that's yeah. that's probably a must. Like Louisville has right. to win as a three and a half point dog uh, outright against Florida State, and you know maybe they could. Florida was covering that entire game, entire oh game, gosh. and then that oh, that has man. happened a number of times <laughs> in Florida State games where just the very end meaningless football and they end up they end up finding a way to cover maybe they score a touchdown where a lot of teams would not have scored a touchdown in that spot they'd just be killing the clock but that's a rivalry for you and that's how it's supposed to happen like a rivalry game like that's one of those great differentiators is that there's really no such thing as garbage time like you might even have like backups in there just so they get the experience of it but you're still trying to score and win like victory formation should not be part of the equation when it comes to a rivalry game. And look, I mean, if, if some teams really approach it that way, that's a note to keep in mind for next year. And those rivalry mm-hmm. games, regardless of the situation, still though, like keep in mind that teams are still trying to run up the score and make the opponent look really bad because ultimately the recruiting battle lasts well above and beyond when the clock hits zero. The uh, most popular plays, tickets and handle, Ohio State plus three and a half loser. Alabama minus thirteen and a half loser. Louisville minus seven and a half loser. <laughs> so uh, the books did very very well on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Okay, which which team are you putting? Wazoo, for? as well. Yep. Yeah. That yeah. too. Which team's third? Tomorrow. Which team is third? Okay, so yeah. Georgia, Michigan. Georgia, Michigan. Third. Can you put? Uh, it might State have to there? be Washington, right? Wash- wow, I don't think Gosh, they're going to want to move gross. them up. I don't think they're going to want to. It's gross, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, they're they're undefeated, and it might be just yeah. as simple oh. as that. Like it's an unimpressive thing. Like I mean, what was it? Like Washington moves up to four. You know, the prior week. 
And I don't know where else you put them at this rate. Like, and Florida State doesn't have I mean, their quarterback. Like, you can't have Florida State right. jump Washington. No, not in that case. No. Like, I don't know if the models really respect Florida all that much at this point. Like, they've had some it's, good outings, but at the end of the day, though, like, something about being undefeated, like, you do get that extra bump, I think. At least in terms Ohio of Ohio State's five? Yeah, probably. I think it's fair. Yeah. Like, best Who's one loss or second best one loss? Florida State. Florida State? Okay. Yeah. yeah. From five to four, yeah. you slide Washington from four to three, Ohio State out, but they're not uh, below Oregon. Right. It's an easy yeah. message to convey to everyone to just have all the undefeated teams and power five conferences right there. So mm-hmm. it's a kind of win and end thing. Like y- you don't have to overthink it, right? Like it's possible this is the easiest week for the committee as far as figuring out who's at the top. Man. The th- number three team in the college football playoff rankings, we think, is going to be a nine-point dog this weekend. I know. But it I doesn't that. make any sense. <laughs> but I love that. That's the way it's supposed to be. Because, yeah. I mean, the books know this stuff. Like, never mind yeah. what the rankings are. Like, the rankings are always way off. And that's going to be that yeah. way in college football. But, like, the books know what they're doing. And the betters know what they're doing. So, I'm, I'm totally mm-hmm. fine This is Beck Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our first look at week 13 of the NFL slate. That's right here on the Beck Network.